is In Goal Radio, the podcast, a presentation of Swords for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. I'm your host, Darren Millard, and welcome to the year 2020, also known as year two of In Goal Radio, the podcast. This is uh, sort of still the holiday season as we round our way back to a regular routine. And instead of taking the week off, we thought, wow, we wouldn't do a full episode, but wanted to make sure you got your goalie fix. And by doing that, we caught up with Carrie Price, Mark Denis, and of course, Cam from the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, and give you not a complete like two-hour extravaganza, but just to, to satisfy your thirst. Uh, I'm joined by co-founder of Ingle Magazine, uh, David Hutchison, and this is, uh, this is sort of a, a great little nugget, uh, a teaser for Ingle Premium. It is, I think, uh, and happy new new year, by the way, Darren, and to everybody out there. Uh, I hope we can survive this week without Kevin. I think that might be the reason that the show is going to be a little bit shorter than usual. We probably have plenty of content. I wasn't even actually going to mention that Woody isn't on with us today. I wanted to see if people noticed, uh, but but now you've let the cat out of the sorry, bag. And sorry, it's it's okay. That's why we uh, that's why we go through a full rehearsal. Oh, the, <laughs> the, no, we don't do that. But no, no, this is uh, no. This, the Carey Price conversation is, in particular yeah. is is a real look behind the curtain. I think it is, and it's um, it's a nice episode because it really outlines what we intended when we first put premium together. Uh, we've always had this feeling that we're so privileged to be able to meet with these guys and get a little slice of what it's like, as you say, behind the curtain. And we want to be able to bring people with us. So I would say that maybe these interviews aren't really the full meal deal that we often have uh, for a podcast episode, but it is the kind of thing that we do uh, grab from time to time and would throw up on the premium site in between episodes for people to listen to. In fact, the uh, the Mark Denis interview has been up there for three or four days for for our members to listen to already. And uh, we've had a little taste of the Carrie interview already, um, but but the Carrie interview in particular, which is all of about five minutes of Woody in the dressing room with Carrie, you can hear the hubbub all around him. It uh, really gives you a feeling for what it's like to be to be Kevin and and just hang out in the room with these guys after practice. So I think it's a nice interview that uh, both interviews really give, gives a feeling for what we intended to accomplish with Premium in the first place. A lot going on around the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, I forgot that Mark Denny ended his career with the Montreal Canadiens, but also story. shared a shared a, a net with with Patrick Watt, not with Montreal, but with with Colorado, and is now one of the great broadcasters in our game. And then you have Carey Price uh, discussing things like Butterstack, and uh, and then also going down the the road of of practice habits and and what he does and changes his. Uh, his approach uh, to certain drills and whether it's a goalie friendly practice or just a, a regular practice. So there's, there's a lot going on in this episode and also questions for cam, which uh, takes us to the hockey shop uh, source for sports. Surrey. Yeah. I got to catch up with cam for the first time this week on my own. I mean, we I've been into the store many times to do that, but in, you know, in the sense of taking the reins from Kevin for the uh, questions for cam segment. And, uh, and so I got a chance to catch up with cam and, as, as everybody knows, the hockey shop in Surrey, BC, that place that Kevin calls a little slice of goalie heaven, and I have to tell you, I couldn't agree more, you can really get lost in that floor downstairs that's all dedicated to goaltending. You go in and down that left side, there's just row after row of every pad you could ever dream of and all sorts of different colors, gloves and sticks, and, and it's, it's really a goalie dream. And it's a dream because the staff in there are so knowledgeable. They've all played the position they're there to help you and they're willing to take the time to make sure that you find just the piece of gear that you need and and that it fits you and fits your game to a T. Uh, I should mention that it's already a place where you can get fantastic deals as we know, especially our friends like you in the United States where your dollar goes so much further than ours does. Um, <laughs> they've extended their Boxing Day sale where you can get up to 50% off uh, now up until January 5th and uh, hopefully you've listened to this episode by then. You should go check out thehockeyshop.com slash goal and, and see what all the deals are for yourself. There's things like older models that are still fantastic gear, like the Bauer Vapor 1X pads. You can get them for half the original price now. I've seen $300 off skates, 100 bucks off sticks. Uh, and as we will discuss in this week's episode of Questions with Cam, uh, there's some great pro return sticks available at the hockey shop right now too. So some of them, not just pro return stuff, but they're actually cheap as well. A hundred bucks off 
in some cases. So uh, go check out what they have. We're going to have a link uh, with this episode at ingolmag.com, but the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com and Surrey BC, we thank them for uh, supporting us here at Ingol Radio. I had never used a pro return stick, but I got on that bandwagon recently and it is like life changing as so, far as the position playing t- the Tell puck. me about it. It's just, it's, 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 I'm not going to tell you exactly whose pattern it is, okay. but, uh, but boy, like it's, it, it's a CCM stick, which I always use anyway, okay. but, uh, it just, the, my ability to play the puck is, uh, is, has increased by 50% being able to not just, not just the, the law passes and, and throwing it up the middle or, or, uh, for a stretch pass, but, uh, but just those little quick ones and being able to handle a puck crisper, hmm. it's. It, there's a big difference between that that top end stick and what I'd normally used, uh, just for for budgetary reasons. And uh, if you get a chance to to slide into a pro return stick or something of that level, it is incredible. Uh, I was um, uh, I was skeptical about how much it could change, right. and and it's uh, it it's it's awesome. I'm a I'm I'm a big fan. Hey, on, on the goalie geek uh, uh, and and goalie nerd uh, spectrum, yep. I watched uh, Mark Andre and and Malcolm Subban at the end of practice uh, the other day, and they were just sitting there after the the center ice stretch, and and Malcolm grabbed uh, Flurry's glove and and put it on. And they were having this just this yeah, conversation yeah. between two guys that know each other extremely well. They've been partners for three years, and they were discussing trappers and just in the middle of the ice uh, at at the end of practice and and having. The, I didn't get a chance to uh, to chat with him about what it was, but and I'll do that in the next couple of days. Uh, but but it was just a cool thing to do that that at that level, at that experience, those accomplishments. Uh, Mark Andre is now sixth all time in wins in the National Hockey League. Big all week, alone. big and, week, and and they're just sitting there talking gear in the middle of the ice, and uh, it, it's not just us; it's uh, it's guys at the highest uh, highest level and uh, uh, position of the uh, of the goaltending world. So true. I mean, they're what struck me is how normal they all are. You know, they grew up like you and I did wanting to play the position. There's nothing different about that upbringing that changed who they became today. They're goalie geeks at heart. So many of them, I think Kevin recounted the story before about sort of the room opening up to Malcolm for a chance to speak with him because he mentioned it was in goal and Malcolm had grown up reading our stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to be able to bump into these guys and what a fun story for you to be able to see these guys just, uh, going back to being kids again. And that sort of sets us up for our first interview of this episode. Mark Denny, uh, a National Hockey League goaltender, a broadcaster now, but somebody that I got to know as a world junior uh, right. contender and then made that world championship team, uh, won a gold medal, and uh, was a phenom, uh, great days uh, in Columbus and bursting out of the scene, and and then uh, obviously had his, his mark uh, sharing a crease with Colorado. So here is Kevin Woodley chatting with the now broadcaster, but former National Hockey League goaltender and world junior champion, Mark Denny. Okay, so Mark, we're just going to jump right in. Um, working now for RDS, but yep. after you retired, retired after your last year with the Canadians in, in 08 09, you spent one year as a goalie coach. Yeah. With Jakutami. Yep. Walk me through the process. Did you know that? TV and this side was what you were going to do. Were you thinking goalie coaching? Like the second stage of your career, how'd you come to this? Well, right off the get-go, we went back and lived in Shikudami where we built a house during my playing days. And I decided I wasn't going to do anything uh, full-time. Next thing you know, I was doing a bunch of things and it ended up being probably more than than a full-time job. So I I did a little bit of radio. I did a little bit of TV. um, and I starting overseeing the goalies because uh, Sylvain Rodrigue had just gotten a job with Edmonton as one of their goalie coaches, scout and development uh, coach. And uh, he was the goalie coach there. And I said, sure, I'll do it part time because that's pretty much a job that was uh, that was there during uh, the junior days. And I had just retired, basically kept skating until October. So first part of the job was more almost working out with them and trying to, you know, trying to accompany goalies through the through their process and junior goalies. and. Um, I had two rookies with me uh, that year, Chris Gibson, who's still around in the, uh, you know, in the AHL and has, has a little bit of NHL experience and Robin Angus, who was a, a very good um, young goalie. And yeah, just, just started uh, trying to, uh, to process what the job was, but also trying to, to teach, which was big and kept me in the game and kept my passion for, for being a goalie. So that was a great challenge. Um, 
you know, I, I think today it's, this is almost 10 years ago or nine years ago. And I'm probably outdated a little bit with all the techniques and, and being a coach, but it's always been on the back of my mind. I always try to watch very carefully what goalie coaches are doing. When you, when you look back at that year, how much of it was technical and, and working with them on the ice on, you know, sort of what would have been modern stuff at the time. And how much was it experience and being able to share the mental side of the yeah. game? We hear so much about that side, as much as it's easy as an analyst to look at technique, it really is between the years. How much did you find yourself doing that that year? It was a balance. It was a balance of all of that. So obviously some technical aspects and, and trying to teach goalies to get their, their knees through the ice because they're going to get beat because now shooters are pretty good and, and to commit to a, a safe technique and, and all of that. And, and as you said, that was, that was pretty modern 10 years ago. We're, we're not talking all reverse VH and all of that. But then I'll give you a couple of examples. One, one of the things that really jumped out to me is goalies can't manage a game anymore. I had to tell them that we had four lefty, left-handed centermen and that they should try and influence the linesman when there was a face-off in our zone for the face-off to be on the left side. This is something that made so much sense to me when I was playing because I knew if the next center up in the rotation was a righty, I wanted to influence the face-off to be on the right side and the left side. That's something we were taught really early. Um, you know, when to keep the play going against a team that's good in the face-off circle, all, all that type of stuff. You know, they have left-handed shooters on the power play. And so just reading the game was, was one example. And the other thing is, you know, almost trivial, but, you know, I, I wanted my goalies to, you know, we, we talk about the, the butterfly and, and the block and, and how goalies don't use their hands to manage the game. And I think the best way to manage the game is to have the puck in your glove because you can decide if you freeze it or if you keep the play alive and you can, you know, basically dictate the way the game is played. So, you know, I asked for our trainer to go and buy them some baseball glove. And I told him, you know, before practice, I want for, you know, 10 minutes, just play catch. When I went for the first time, these goalies couldn't play catch. They didn't know how to play ball. They didn't know how to play baseball. We grew up playing baseball in the summertime, playing multiple sports. So these are all aspects that I kind of uh, figured that, you know, you just need, uh, yeah, you need to, to watch video and you need to get technical, but you also need to take them by the hand a little bit and help them out. Do you think we've lost that a little bit, that playing other sports? I mean, being around the game and kids now, it seems like, you know, not to criticize, but it seems with development now, I mean, they're, they're goalies only at like eight, nine, 10 years old and not playing other positions, let alone other sports. Absolutely, Kevin. You know what? I, I see eight and nine year old uh, kids that are probably better technically than I was when I was playing in the NHL. That's, that's all they are, which is great to some extent, but you know, they need to enjoy the game. They need to read the game. They need to be students of the game. And um, I, I think that's been lost as well with obviously uh, not being able to play other sports and, you know, go out and play soccer. It's good for your cardio. Go out and play baseball. It's good for hand-eye. It's, you know, go out and play something else. Play tennis, play, play golf, because you'll understand that, you know, the individual sport aspect of being a goalie, which is an individual task in a, in a, in a collective sport, in a team sport. So I think all of those are, are actually very beneficial for, for the rest of your career, for the rest of what you do. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's hockey or not, because I don't want to talk about being a pro when, when I'm talking to a teenager, but you know, if you want to be a better goalie, just be good at sports, any sports, play a lot of them. Did you play a lot growing up? I, mean, I look back at, uh, it predates hockey DB, but I know like, like you were playing like Quebec peewee tournament. So, yeah, yeah. so you're obviously playing hockey at a real high level. Did you mix in some other things too in the yeah, offseason? Yeah, I, I played baseball throughout my, yeah, throughout my youth until I was, uh, you know, a teenager and a little bit before midget and you probably Bantam. So it was probably 14 back when I decided just to focus on hockey. So, you know, at least I had a, you know, a good eight years of, you know, playing multiple sports and, and baseball was my my second Quebec peewee tournament. It's such a big deal now. It was it as big a deal back then? And was it as big a deal when you were actually from Montreal and, and in Quebec? It was, it was because, uh, you know, I played there for two years. Uh, unfortunately we didn't have much success, but my second year we got to represent the Montreal Canadiens. So we got to skate on forum ice, which, you know, obviously before the bell center, we got to skate on forum ice. I got to face, uh, Denis Savard and a few shootout moves, you know, for, for a display practice. So, and we got to wear the Montreal Canadiens jersey. So that was pretty special. Yeah. The, the, the Quebec Pee Wee tournament has always been big and to take part is awesome. And to, to be part of the history of so many great players that have actually uh, stepped on that ice at the Curizé. Um, goalie coach influences. I mean, coming in Quebec at a time when, you know, the Quebec and the butterfly, and you talked about yeah. a lot of the technical aspects were a hot topic. I mean, all, almost, it felt like the whole NHL was coming out of Quebec from yeah. a goalie perspective back then. Yeah. When did you get your first coach? What were some of your influences at a young age? And then as you got older and into junior? Yeah, well, pretty much I had goalie coaches all, all the way throughout, which was pretty, you know, uh, incredible because when you think of it, that's, you know, that is now the case today, but it wasn't for a long time to have positional coaches. So 
Yeah, pretty much having all the way throughout Midget AAA was probably the first year I had a full-time uh, goalie coach and, and watching games and analyzing tape. Um, you know, it wasn't as much as the technical aspect as it is today. It was more about, as I said, managing the game, reading the play, reading the game, playing the scoreboard, all of these things. So that's that's what I learned. Um, you know, there were part-time jobs a lot, Midget AAA, even in the queue. And then, you know, eventually I got to, uh, you know, even in the NHL, Jacques Cloutier was just, you know, he was a, uh, an all-time coach or a full-time coach and a goalie coach. So it was pretty amazing what I got to, you know, to, you know, rub elbows with the likes of Francois Allaire and Benoit Allaire of the great goalie coaches uh, line there in, in Quebec. And, and a lot of them that, that helped me out until I, I made it to the NHL. Did you go to the, like Allaire was famous for the summer schools. Yeah. You, were you one of the guys that was yeah, out there? I, I, I did one. I wasn't, you know, one, uh, I wasn't a goalie that was there every single summer, as I said, because I played other sports. So I wasn't there every time and I didn't become a teacher, but I did go to, to his hockey school, obviously, and he was a great influence. I probably wasn't your more your most technical. I'll, I'll leave that to guys like JS Jaguar back in the in my days. But um, yeah, obviously, we learned to play the game that way. Okay, drafted twenty fifth overall yeah. by the Colorado Avalanche in ninety five. You only played twenty eight games with the Avs, kind of as you came came through their system. But in camp, at camps, when you were up, Patrick Waugh, that era. What was that like as a young goaltender, watching him? Developing your own game, having him, was he an influence? What what, what was that whole experience yeah. like with the Avs? He was. I got drafted when he was still with the Montreal Canadiens, so I got to play my first ever exhibition game against him at the Montreal Forum, part of the Avalanche, which was really the former Nordiques. They were playing the Nordiques preseason schedule, so that was quite something. And then, yeah, during that first season, he got traded, and uh, my second camp, he was there. I got to start my professional career with, uh, you know, watching him and being his backup uh, for my first full-time season. Um, the first two pro years in the HL, I was more up and down and, you know, coming in to play when he was injured and then, you know, going back down to play a lot of games when I was 20, 21. So my first full season backing him up was awesome. Yes. He was a great influence. We didn't, uh, you know, we didn't share too many years or anything, but you know, he was, you know, I wanted to push him if, if that's even possible to push one of the greatest of all time. And he wanted to be pushed, but we worked together as well. So, and I learned a lot just of the way he the way he would actually go through the ups and downs of a season and how he would interact with his teammates and how he would step up sometimes in the dressing room after the second period. And you knew he would just shut the door after that because he wanted his team to step up and win that game. So all of these things, he was a great leader in his own way. He would do anything to win a hockey game and to win series and, and so on and so forth and cups and, and eventually everything. So that was pretty tremendous. That was, that was amazing. And uh, yeah, uh, 1995 draft there, funny story for you there. It's still a record, right? Four goalies drafted in the first round. and. Back then, it was me, it was Jez Jaguar, Marty Biron, and Brian Boucher. So we were all between 6'1 to 6'3 probably for Marty. And Marty was a smaller guy, probably 160. And I was probably one of the heaviest, 195. And you know what? They said that we had great size back then. We'd all be uh, re really little to play at the NHL level nowadays, but that's how she went. That's, it's, a, it's <laughs> incredible how it's changed. That's just, yeah, nowadays, I think 6'3, like, I mean, you talk about trends. As much as the trend is 6'5, 6'6, 6'7, I had a goalie coach recently tell me in his mind, six, three, maybe six, four is your max. Yeah. And then as much, and then if you're in either side of that, you actually have to overcome your size, both as a big guy. Yeah. The difference is the big guys get the opportunity. The ones who are on the other side of that spectrum just don't even get the chance anymore. Yeah. They need to be on the tee, right? They need to be so precise in their, in their movement, in their, their positioning that, yeah. And you know what? Elite shooters have become better as well. They shoot harder and they're more precise now. And, um, Deception, the Deception, way they show one exactly. thing. It's just the game's incredible. And right now. the quickness and this, you know, the quickness, which they can release that, that puck. It doesn't have, you know, they're moving their feet around. They're not moving their blade around anymore. And they're able to release that really quick. So it's amazing. I love the game. Five years uh, with the Blue Jackets. Um, 0203. You played 4,511 yeah. minutes, 77 games played. At the time, it was a record for minutes played. Yeah. What are you seeing? I mean, we're seeing the trend towards tandems in the NHL, yep. workhorses outside of, you know, the odd guy, Frederick Anderson, obviously jumps, uh, David Rich this year. Uh, you see that trend now have, as a guy who played that many games, like, like, do you, do you kind of shake your head? Like, Hey, like, come on guys. Is it that harder? Have you seen the game change to the point where you fully understand why they're going the way they're going? No, I don't think I fully understand. I come from that era of uh, relying heavily on the number one guy and kind of living and dying through that goalie. And, uh, Eastern time zone team in the Western conference playing 77 games was probably too much. Let's be honest. Uh, we didn't make the playoffs. Uh, you know, obviously if we had, I don't know if it would have been the right recipe for success in the playoffs because it's a long season, but 
at the same time, I, there was no doubt in my mind, you know, I was just playing and I wasn't going through the motion. I was just playing. I was managing my energy levels, but you know, I wanted to play. I was part of a solution night in and night out. You become contagious. You become part of your team identity, which I really like. I think that has gotten lost a little bit, but at the same time, teams that are able not to rely too heavily on a goalie usually have longer sustained success. It's sustainable. Um, talk about this team here, Montreal Canadiens. They've relied on Carey Price so long. It's not that they didn't get success and Price was tremendous, has been the best in the league for a while, but you know, it, it also led to, you know, some disappointments from a team perspective. And now they're trying not to rely as much on him, which is probably a good thing. And that's why we're seeing, you know, that magic number probably being instead of, you know, 65 to 70, which was a number back when I played, then it seems to be around 55 to 58 now. Yeah. And you got, obviously got to have a backup to be able to pull that off these days. A um, couple more, um, Tampa Bay. And then the last year in Montreal, a couple yeah. of years in Tampa. And then last year in Montreal, was it, was it about going home, playing that season there? What, what led you and what was it like? Like you said, you played that first preseason game in the form. What was yeah. it like to, to have that year? Uh, I know it wasn't all with the Canadians, but to have that experience to play for your hometown team. Yeah. To play for the Canadians is, you know, it has really brought, I guess when you're talking about full circle for a career, played my first preseason game in the Montreal Forum, got my first win against Montreal in the old McNichols Arena when I was part of the Avalanche. Got my very last start and last win at the Bell Center playing for Tampa and got my last ever NHL appearance playing for the Montreal Canadiens, my last season wearing their jersey for 18 or 16 games. I was a backup for Carey Price and Yaroslav Alak as they were starting their careers. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and just kid myself. I signed with the Montreal Canadiens because I got bought out by, by Tampa. I didn't stop enough pucks there. I didn't win enough games. That's the bottom line. I'm not looking for excuses. I'm looking straight in the mirror and saying I, I could have, should have done better. At the same time, I'm not sour about it. I came to the Montreal Canadiens because they showed interest right off the, the get-go on, on July 1st when I became Fred the first time, probably not in the best of circumstances, but a free agent nonetheless. And Julien Brisbane got me and Bob Gainey showed interest. They gave me a few days to think about it and see if I was going to get a one-way contract. When that didn't happen, I didn't hesitate. So yeah, it was, it was part of coming back home, but living away from my family and going to Hamilton, although I had a great season and got to work with Roly Melanson and, and Carey Price and Yaroslav Alak, was awesome, but it was a little too tough. And that's not what I wanted. That's not the way I wanted to go out. So um, I guess I was, I'm not that sour because I found my game. I found my confidence. I found my groove back. Uh, but that was the end of the line. And I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Uh, Ten years later. And does it help lead to the transition of this? Like enjoying this job? Yeah. I am. We see goalies like crazy yeah. in this job. Is it, we just yeah. the smartest it's guys great. in the room? Is hey, that high hockey IQ is all I'm going to say here. But uh I'll tell you this. I, I don't care too much to see my mug on TV, but I love talking about the game. I'm passionate about it. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can, uh, we can bring a little added value to the, to the people watching at home. And sometimes maybe some goalie pointers as well is, is not a bad thing. Last one. Yeah. Getting to see Kerry up. I mean, we're obviously big fans. And, yep. you know, when people ask us who the best in the world is, I always point to those player polls when they always ask the players who the yeah. toughest guy to beat is. And he's always that guy. Getting to see him as a guy who you were on the ice with him when he first started <laughs> and Stefan Waite, watching them work on an everyday basis. What, like, what can you tell when you get to see that? What, what, what would you tell a young goalie from those examples that you get to see on an everyday basis that make them so great? Well, watch them work. They're an elite tandem. You're talking about one of the best, if not the best goalie coach in the NHL level. You're talking about one of the best, if not the best goalie at the NHL level. So, you know, obviously a lot to learn just from watching. Um, that being said, you know, Kerry is, is at his ups and downs number wise. Uh, he's had a tough month in November, but he's been able to bounce back every single time. And as I said, this is a team that's not relying as much on him. So maybe it gives him more grade A chances because they're not trying to protect the goalie all the time. Um, I think when they're playing well defensively, it gives him the opportunity to shine and you can see why he's considered the best. We, we sometimes get, you know, Tough loving and tough opinion when we're in Montreal and, you know, we're saying he's the best in the world. But as you mentioned, you get the player polls, you get the GM polls. I mean, he's, you know, he's having a bad season and he's still in the Vezina running. So that tells you how, how important he is to the NHL and to, to the position. And um, he's just, you know, so, so talented, but he's been throughout his career, learned to modify his, his approach and his uh, off-ice regimen in the summertime and off-season and even on off days to, to be ready for the next step. And you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate as far as a goalie is concerned, anyway, as a former goalie to, to be able to watch him on a nightly basis. Oh, we consider ourselves fortunate that you took this time to talk to us. I know our audience, all the goalies are going to love this, Mark. Thank you so much for doing this. Awesome, Kevin. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks for having me. Woody with Mark Denny, who, you know, 
Denny sort of cut his teeth at the 2010 Olympic Winter Games in Vancouver. He did some in arena. Oh, as a broadcaster. Uh, as a broadcaster, yeah. yeah. As a broadcast. Sorry, I, I was going down the broadcast. Uh, I sort of get uh, sort of tunnel vision. I forget <laughs> to explain exactly where I'm going. But, uh, but at the end of his uh, career, uh, he was doing in arena uh, work. And I was sitting with Doug McLean at one of the games at, uh, at Rogers Arena. And Doug looked up and went, I think that's my old goalie. Oh, no uh, kidding. For, and, and, and yeah, it was, it was Mark Denny who was, uh, who was doing some, uh, some broadcasting work uh, at the Olympic uh, Games and has, has done a really wonderful job. I mean, he's got the looks for TV. Uh, he's got uh, the delivery, but also has an ability to, without talking over your head, but also without dumbing it down too much, uh, delivering information. Uh, about the sport, not just goaltending, but uh, but as a, as a hockey broadcaster, I'm really really proud of him. He's he's done some some great work there. Oh, I love listening to him. It's it's funny you say he cut his teeth in 2010 because that's really where Ingol got its start as well. And we didn't even know each other then, but no. you guys uh, used that as a launching pad. Well, it it was sort of accidental. Uh, I was I think I was sitting at home in the living room and I got a phone call from Woody and he. He basically said, "You're doing what I've always wanted to do, but I'm not really sure how to do it. But I'm in the room, and you're not." And uh, mm. and that was the beginning of a great partnership. And he started feeding me some fantastic stories uh, from the 2010 games. So that's a real marker for me as well. How long and, was that conversation with you and Woody? Uh, well, I didn't have a how lot much to did say. you get to talk? Yeah, I I just said yes. <laughs> I just said yes, and <laughs> it was all good. Oh, the poor well, guys just getting slayed in every segment, including the one with Cam. Yeah, and you're you're gonna get uh, get a chance to steal his uh, his segment here with Cam. And before I throw to uh, to you two uh, and our gear segment with uh, with Cam from Source for Sports Surrey and the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, dot uh, com, there's there's one thing that I don't know whether it's gonna slide by anybody, but the topic of of bootstraps and how uh, tight or loose you wear your bootstrap, it's mm-hmm. it's sort of the part of that first answer and. It's it's interesting because I don't know whether I've I've actually been told the proper tightness uh, to wear a bootstrap. I, I wear mine really loose uh, to the point where it's almost useless. Uh, but I have gone through stages where I've worn it really tight to try and make sure I'm I'm hitting my my right. landing spots properly. Right. Where, where where are you on that whole spectrum? Well, it's funny. You know, I, I did that read at the beginning about the hockey shop and talking about it being a slice of goalie heaven. And I still, in my memory now, uh, can picture walking into a hockey store in Toronto and seeing row after row of pad and having that same sort of gut experience that I have every time I walk into the hockey shop and see all that gear. And one of the things that stands out from that visit was the old pads that had not one, but two bootstraps on them. Right. Yeah. And for me, it was just, oh, I have to have this. It's, I, I didn't even know why. It was another little dongle I could have on my gear. And at the time I was, you know, I had the old brown leather pads and I cranked them down tight. But like you, I was wearing my bootstrap more recently, so loose to the point that it became almost useless. And and I remember sitting there in the room one day saying, why do we even have these things? They're so loose. They're accomplishing absolutely nothing. Uh, not just the bootstrap, but some of the leg straps. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, somebody had the courage to try a set that didn't have any at all. And I've since removed them from mine or the last set I ordered. I didn't even order them with a bootstrap. So um, it, it's funny how things evolve and and we can see how the gear has changed. And yeah, th- those are some, some interesting stuff questions but i won't get too deep into them because we no. haven't run the segment yet but uh, i uh, i run my bootstrap now through my achilles uh strap on the skate oh the like, lundquist uh, loop the lundquist loop yeah. I, I run mine through that and and i can't even tell you why i do that uh on the topic of the two bootstraps though i never did that because i was too lazy because <laughs> it was it it was too much of yeah. a pain in the butt uh to do those up but uh yeah it just it got me thinking as i was listening to your conversation with cam about the uh the bootstraps well i know one of the pieces of logic for for that lundquist loop is that you can actually pull the pad up a little higher using the bootstrap so as the sizes got cut down a little bit it was a chance to to jack them up higher and uh seems like this is the day to reminisce so i'll do it again i i remember being at a camp back in about i want to say 2012 2013 and when it whenever I'm, I'm gonna have the dates all wrong for when the lundquist loop first appeared but i saw a junior goaltender 
who had manufactured his own on a pair of skates. They they weren't available for anybody other than mm-hmm. Henrik at the time. I did that too. Did you? Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah on a pair of CCM skates, I put my uh, uh, Lundqvist loop uh, in with the, with a old skate lace. Oh. So, yeah. And why not? And I just asked this guy, I said, where'd you get the idea for that? And he said, oh, I was reading in Goal Magazine. Oh, well, really? That's cool. yeah, no way. 100% true. Yeah. The number of these things that just pop up, it's it's so fun. Okay. Well, here's one for you. I was at the movie theater the other day and seeing Star Wars the yep. day after Christmas here in Vegas. And Jacob, uh, who is uh, part of the Arizona State Club team, okay, uh, is uh, behind the counter serving me. And he says, you must be from Canada. And I said, yeah. He goes, are you a goalie? I said, yeah. And I was wearing my in-goal uh, jacket. And my daughter looks at me and goes, really? Like, what? We, we're just trying to see a movie? He's the, he's the goaltender for the Arizona club team. Big fan of the, uh, the podcast. So shout out to Jacob from the Arizona club team. And he's having a blast uh, playing goal and uh, was, was just earning some money during the holidays. <laughs> That's awesome. The coincidences are, are fantastic. Yeah. My, and he recognized my, the logo right away. My craziest was standing in a tree stand in one of these high ropes courses in the summer in the interior of British Columbia. And there were so many people at this touristy joint that there was literally, literally a lineup 40 feet in the air in these trees to go to the next station. And this guy looked at me and he said, where'd you get the t-shirt? I no. had it made. Oh, really? I read that all the time. That's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, there's goaltendings hanging out in trees or movie theaters everywhere. And of course, at Source for Sports, Surrey and the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com. Kevin Woodley on assignment, getting some R&R. So David takes over with the questions for Cam segment as we send you over to the gear segment on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Okay, goaltenders, goalie parents, goalie fans, uh, we are here with our good friend Cam from the Hockey Shop, and uh, you're hearing a new voice in this segment. Our friend Kevin is off in the sun, getting a little bit of uh, much-needed rest and relaxation with his family, so Cam and I have the ball this week. Cam, do you think we can take care of it without uh, without Woody? Oh, I, I think we'll be able to make an exception this time around. Yeah, okay, you're going to have to maybe hold my hand through this so that we can do a good job here. <laughs> I'm used to it, it's okay. Right on. Okay, so. So, Cam, uh, you know, I'm the guy who wears the goalie parent hat on this show mostly. And so I went through our, our bag of questions and I pulled out a few from goalie parents, uh, at least as best I could tell from, from the way the questions were phrased. And, and we're going hit, to hit up that segment today. You ready? Ready to roll? Well, let's go. Okay, here we go. So the first one is a gentleman called, uh, named Greg, and he said he's uh, writing us all the way from Dallas, Texas. And he said he's got a new goalie in their house. And, uh, and I, I get the feeling maybe he was a goaltender himself growing up. He says, how tight do we do up the pads? Has it changed since the new Velcro closures came in and the leather straps have gone out? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it definitely depends a lot on, on the specific pad they had and, you know, the, the age. So I'm assuming he's probably, you know, in a youth sizing and whatnot. A lot of the, the basic youth pads, you know, like CCM, uh, Y-Flex, for example, or Power Prodigy. Um, they're going to be pretty much an all Velcro configuration with um, with a leather bootstrap. Uh, you want to keep that leather bootstrap um, on the looser side of things. You want to make sure that that skate can kind of drop out uh, of the pad and get close to the ice because if it's too tight, it hangs up the skate and almost makes it parallel. Um, and that causes a lot of stress on the hips and the knee. So, you know, you want to kind of build that good habit to start out with. And then when it comes to the Velcro strap, I want to make sure that uh, it's, not, um, it's somewhere in the middle of not too tight but not too loose. That one you can use a bit of preference depending on the pads they are using. Um, but it's obviously finding what's comfortable for you know your young goaltender and uh, what seems to be looking best on them and how it's fitting. Awesome. So, yeah, I know it used to drive me crazy as a, as a coach. I'd see these young kids come on the ice and mom or dad had cranked those straps as tight as they possibly could, probably the way I used to in the 1970s. And, uh, and the poor kids couldn't move the pads. Uh, is now Greg is probably not going to come into the hockey shop this week unless he's up for the uh, for the Pat Quinn tournament that's on right now. Um, any any tips on how maybe they can just check it in the dressing room? Something they can do when their little Johnny's down in the butterfly, or or what, what do you want them to try? 
Yeah, I mean, you are you are looking for that pad to rotate and kind of sit flush. Like, uh, you want that face of the pad facing out, obviously, to create that blocking service. So if you find, you know, a good symptom of the pad being too tight is that he's, uh, the uncle tended to falling straight onto the face of the pad um, and almost dropping down like they did in the 70s, like you would have done. Um, that's a symptom of the pad just being, you know, way, way, way too tight and, uh, and the goaltender's leg not rotating properly as they're dropping down to that butterfly. So, um there's a good quick evaluation there. Yeah. Have them quickly uh, drop down. Um, are they feeling comfortable? Are they feeling a lot of stress? If no, great. Yes. Got to loosen some things off. Right on. And, and I know you and Woody have probably talked before about those toe straps as well. And I, although I guess with the youth pads now, they're, they're mostly elastic. So is there anything they need to worry about there? Uh, just making sure they're secured on, on obviously properly. That, that would be, number one i mean you know what there, there still are a few pads there that are going to have the laces on them and then always your parents are like super intimidated by laces they say it's a hassle but really you know it's just a, a quick proper approach to them making sure they're tied up tightly and nice and snug up against the top of the the boot of the skate whether it be a player skate or a goal skate especially at this age um it's just making sure it's snug and tight and that way it won't slip and fall down and they won't step on it just a nightmare when that happens for both the goaltender and the poor coaches trying to deal with it uh okay that okay so that hopefully greg that helps you out uh and and if you have any more questions you can certainly fire them our way and we'll help you out with that um okay so the next one we uh we have is from cheryl in toronto ontario the center of the hockey universe uh our son has been using association gear but we're thinking of getting a new set for him what's the best gear for young kids that's probably a tough one brand wise for you but but maybe you could give them some guidelines or something yeah, the tough thing is, is I don't necessarily consider something better, any better than the other. It's just everyone's got their own different version of their technology. Um, some, you know, facets might work better for some goalies based on, you know, their play style and what they're still learning as kids. Um, I mean, basically, again, as you're transitioning out of that association gear, that probably means you're in about a junior category. Um, and across the board, everybody's offering, you know, what is a great junior pad. Um, basically everything's a Velcro setup nowadays, whether it be through all the way from, you know, CCM or Yvonne, um, even Brian's, um, and don't get Bauer, obviously, um, they're all offering some sort of, uh, Velcro strapping system. So it's really what's going to work easiest for, you know, your son and her daughter is they're learning to get dressed by themselves. That's a big one. So looking at pads that, you know, a, they could possibly do up themselves. They feel comfortable in, they can move properly. Um, those are all kind of the basis. I can't necessarily say that, again, whether well, one's better than the other, but, you know, start ticking off those boxes that you go on. Is, you know, is this pad, is this glove, is this block going to work for my son or daughter? Because A, they can close it. Um, B, they can move well on the pads. You know, C, well, blocker's blocker, but it has to fit properly on the hand as well. So um, got to kind of tick off all those bases as you go through. And I know it's really tough for families because as the kids are growing fast and gear is expensive, but you really got to be careful that you're getting something that fits them properly if they want to play well and have fun. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we, we obviously personally fit for, you know, a little bit extra growth from inside of the pack because we do want that to last too long, but you know, obviously there's only so much so far you can kind of extend that. So, you know, if the pads don't completely don't fit or the blocker don't fit, especially in the gloves, like both kind of clothes, pads, you can't drop down a butterfly properly without hurting your knee potentially. Uh, block you won't be able to pick up the stick because you're just you can't grab it because there's too much palm in your hand basically so um, those are all things you definitely want to avoid for sure and we're starting to see the guys in the nhl i mean freddie anderson was talking to, to woody about making his gear a little smaller and guys are getting better as they get smaller so we don't have to freak out and get something that comes all the way up to the waist for pads or you know adult size gloves on a kid like get something that works for them Definitely. Exactly. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a good, a good sample at the highest level saying, you know, maybe I want to go something a little bit smaller. Yeah. Like the most important thing for kids is to be able to move well and to learn that technique. So let's give them, give them something they can move in. All right. So, uh, well, we're flying through these things without Kevin talking. <laughs> That's a small jab there. Yeah. Oh, really? Was it? Oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to, to, to jab at all at Woody. Um, <laughs> That'll come later. So, okay. So, so we are flying through, but uh, maybe this will be the briefest uh, questions for cam segment on record here. Here goes, here's the third and, and the final one from one of the goalie parents, uh, Anthony on the coast. It says, I don't know if it's left coast, right coast, east, west, but anyway, Anthony is uh, somewhere from the coast. 
And uh, he wants to know a little bit about sizing a stick. He said, I hear it's not about your stance and your blocker position. I don't know. Maybe he's been seeing me writing some stuff online. But my thing, Cam, is I, I don't think you need to have a 27-inch paddle anymore. Yeah, We're not playing stand-up. And I can't remember the last stick save I made standing up. So I'm kind of more for sizing it when a, when a kid is down in the butterfly so we don't create giant holes. But uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, at a, at a basis, the stance, you know, uh, measurement is still correct. Good starting point. Yeah, because what it is, is, I mean, you're still starting, whatever movement you're going to make is still starting at a basic stance. So we want to make sure that when that blocker is in a good position, you know, we're not pushing it out too wide. We're not basically resting on the top of the pad. We want it to sit in a nice, neutral, comfortable position. And to be honest, again, for each goaltender, that's slightly different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those 27-inch paddles, you know, they still exist. There still is a person that needs one. It's just not every goaltender <laughs> anymore, that's for sure. Um, again, citing something that you said before, you know, the trend has been to actually shorter size paddles. Um, I mean, even in the shop right now, we've got a couple pro returns and there's a couple guys that I can think of, um, off the top of my head, you know, you'd think that they're using a huge paddle and, you know, it's definitely the exact opposite. Um, Jacob Barkson is a good example. He's a 25, um, inch stick. We have a couple of good examples of his pro returns, uh, sitting in the shop right now. So, um, you know, there's again, a, a tall guy using something a little bit shorter based on, you know, his refinement of his stance. Um, like you said, when when uh, goalie drops down on the butterfly, it is important um, to figure out where that stick's going to line up. Again, too high that paddle, you're really going to be pushing up your blocker. You're opening up your holes. You know, it's again not what we want. Obviously, you're looking for a nice tight seal, especially when you're in a in tight situation. You know, that's when that shorter paddle comes into play a little bit for sure. There you go. Well, that's fascinating that Marky was in 25 because we were up at Carey Price Day with Eli Wilson this summer, and Carey was normally, I think he said he's in a 26. He tested a 25 and a half and a 25 and uh so he's also looking at that trend quite obviously to see what he can do um do you happen to have a brassois pro return in the shop i don't but we've had one before i mean remarkably short he he gave uh my son maddie one and we put it up again against uh maddie stick when he was i think 10 years old and brassois was considerably shorter um, and it, now he said he does got monster arms or something crazy length arms. So he wants a shorter paddle, but maybe another sign that it's up to the individual. Exactly. And that's where, you know, some of those individual points come into play. Like I remember seeing like a Darcy Camper one coming through before the rule change and it was a 28 inch. So, wow. you know, there's still guys out there that are using, you know, crazy size paddles for sure. So, um, and yeah, to your point, I think that, that, um, Swastik, the one that we had, I think we measured out about a 24 and a half um, inch paddle. So, like, again, it's a great example of someone using something tiny, but he's like, what, six, five off the top of my head? I can't he's remember. A big boy, but, yeah. Maybe. yeah. Yeah. So, that, you actually bring up an interesting point there, and you said you measured them. Now, not every manufacturer measures the same, do they? No, no. And that's the thing, whether it be from the heel of the stick to the actual top of the paddle or from basically the, the paddle, whether it meets the heel all the way to the top, you know, there, there's a couple different ways, curves, lies all come into play um, when measuring the stick. So um, ultimately the best thing is, is that if you're looking at a new one, bring what you were using to compare it to your new one, especially if you're switching brands. Right. And is, is there any sort of guideline? Is manufacturer X a little shorter than manufacturer Y? And so if, you know, Johnny's friend is in a 26, but maybe Johnny uses a different brand. Like how do, how do we compare them? Um, I do usually find that the warrior six are a little bit on the smaller side in comparison sizes to, you know, especially a Bauer and a CCM, which I find are quite even now. Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, the, the best idea would be to bring, especially what you're using in. And, and if you are looking to change the stick or find what you were using on the wall, obviously fresh, that is your comparison factor to, you know, your set potentially if you're switching bands or whatnot all right sounds good now you were just talking about some pro returns in the shop do you want to talk about the pro returns you've got in you want to tell us what's going on there a real, a real quick plug we definitely have a few in, in stock you can find them up on the website i believe under our stick category at thehockeyshop.com under goal um, there'll be a section for pro returns and i'll give you some quick insight into kind of what we got in stock i believe we take pictures of most of the sticks that we have and we have them up on the website ready to rock and roll for sale so what is a pro return can can you just tell people about that? It's obviously not one they used in a game and sent back, is it? 
No, no, no. These all be fresh batches of sticks that have pros have either rejected or at the end of the year have sent back because they have extra stock from the team, for example. Right. So, you know, obviously every manufacturer, every company is getting for any NHL goaltender they can and whatever options they can provide them as a leg up over the competition. They're looking to show them that. So some of these sticks have definitely some custom grips. Uh, handles, custom curves, um, different tapered shoulders, different heights and overall shafts. Some have thinner shafts that are tapered right where you grab the stick and also taper up to uh, to the top of the shaft as well. So there's definitely some crazy custom features in there as well as custom builds mocked up as uh, newer models, for example, as well. So those are all common things you especially see in uh, Bowers uh, uh, Pro Return sticks is guys using older model sticks but having them grafted uh, as the newer model. Oh. Very cool. We should probably have a video camera over there and be walking through them because you got so many neat things going on. Any any particular ones stand out that people might be excited to hear about? Uh, I would say if you're super interested, just head on over to the hockeyshop.com under <laughs> that stick category and go on and follow those sticks. Sounds good. We didn't even plan this, but we got to plug in anyway. Okay, so <laughs> now now that Anthony's led us down the garden path talking about stick sizes, I hope that helped you, Anthony. Uh, last question for questions from Cam this week comes from Kevin in Hawaii, and he'd like to know if he should wear a dangler. I, I didn't know. I actually think I saw an ice rink in Hawaii. I don't know how many goalies there are, but should be easy to figure out who this Kevin is. Um, but Kevin in Hawaii wants to know if he should have a dangler. Hmm. I think if this is the Kevin in Hawaii, I'm thinking of in particular after seeing him been hitting the net before, I think I would definitely recommend a dangler for him. Yeah, does he put his head in harm's way a little too much? <laughs> all the time, all the time. All the time. No, but, yeah, this is one of those things where, to be honest, I recommend everyone wears a dangler. I mean, I'll be 100% honest, I do not wear one. However, I have been clocked in the neck a couple times. I can honestly say it's not the most fun thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, you know what, if you're a parent, especially as a goalie starting out, I'd highly recommend you put one on their helmet right off the bat. This way they get used to it and hopefully ideally continue to use it throughout their playing career. I, as someone that started a little bit later, had that option, never put one on, tried to put one on and just couldn't get used to it myself. So that's currently why I still don't wear one. Uh, but if you start out at a very early age to get some used to it, you're going to be, well, it's not 100% protection because we all know that doesn't exist. But that said, it is giving you basically as many tools in this toolbox as you possibly can get. Yeah. Highly, highly recommended. Woody. Wherever you are in Hawaii, grab a dangler, put it on that helmet. Any any tips about purchasing ones? Is it? I mean, it kind of looks like a dangler's a dangler, but uh, I'm not an expert. Uh, to a bit of a degree, yeah. Um, you, you have a couple different options. You know, you have some branded options, some unbranded. Uh, like Nash in particular does make a, a rounded um, style. Uh, something that you saw a little bit of older previous goalies like Patrick Wall used to wear a rounded dangler. In comparison, it's just a bit of a shape. It's not necessarily you know, one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, um, yeah, you're basically just looking for a standard a dangler. Senior is going to fit a senior mask. Um, there are some that uh, are made that are a bit thicker in comparison. They call them like pro styling. Um, I know we carry one in particular from Vaughn um, with those uh, kind of specs. So um, in theory, they're all made out of the same plastic. It's just some are a little bit thicker than others and some have brand names, some don't. So those would be the basis of a buying a dangler right there. So again, come on into the hockey shop and check with the experts and ask them what's best for you. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Cam, really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out on your holiday to chat with all our listeners and to, to answer a few more questions from Cam. It's a super popular segment. And we're really excited about it. Hey, it's not a problem, Dave. Tell me, did, did you feel a little bit guilty stepping on Woody's toes there? No, it's about time. It's about time. I wanted my time to shine and time to hang out with Cam and just talk goaltending. Unfortunately, because it was the holidays and uh, I only managed to find a little bit of time um, when Cam was actually on holiday. So it was really good of him. Thank you, Cam, for for letting us set that up while you were away. Uh would have been a lot more fun if I could have just gone in and, and sat down and we could have had, had a really good chat about a few things. Um, but it was a little bit more hurried than, than we had hoped. So, uh, but we were over in Vancouver for uh, a big tournament, the Pat Quinn, uh, tournament for peewees and bantams. And, uh, Cam said the, the shop was absolutely hopping with all the folks that were in from town, including, uh, from Arizona with, that you had just talked about. 
I wonder how many pairs of skates they sharpen a year in that place. Oh, unbelievable. It'd be great to know. It'd be great to know. And so many, I wonder if it's more now that people are starting to use a couple of sets of blades with their skates too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that would be just one of those like wild numbers. I, I, I can't even fathom to guess what, what it would be in the thousands. I've got an idea. Okay. Get on your computer, open yep. up, open up your email, write to podcast at ingoldmag.com okay, yes. and uh, send in that question. And maybe one of our guys <laughs> could take it to cam. That would be awesome. I, yeah. You know what? I'd like it if that Millard guy would answer my questions because oh. I write him all the time. Oh, do you? I, okay. I, I, I ask him questions all the time. He just never responds to me. He's a bit of a jerk that you're, way. You'll, you'll know you're in trouble the day you start answering them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so so this, is a, this is a fun little episode uh, where we're, uh, we're offering some bonus material and there's nothing better than a little uh, catch up with Carrie Price. And he rolled through Vancouver recently and Woody... Uh, found uh, some time and some space in the Montreal Canadiens locker room to uh, to throw a few questions. It's not the long feature interview that we normally bring you, but it is uh, it is intriguing on a couple of different fronts. Uh, one is practice habits, and number two is just how you deal with uh, certain situations during the course uh, of a season. So here's Kevin Woodley. In conversation with Carrie Price, presented by The Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com, on Ingoal Radio, the podcast. Well, practice, obviously, you're trying to be perfect. You know, so it's, I think, it's, you uh, you do that, and um, I feel like that should just translate into games. If you're if you're practicing the right way, it should uh, should get the ball rolling right into the games, and not be uh, so difficult to think about doing the right things when you're naturally doing them. Is there a time like can you when you're trying to perfect things in practice? Can it become something you think about in games, or like how do you find that line between not thinking once the puck drops in a game versus trying to slow? Steph talked about slowing things down in practice. Yeah, and then. Uh, I just think during a game too, the, everything is uh, everything doesn't happen perfectly in a game either. You know, it's, so there's a lot of broken plays that happen in games that might not necessarily happen in practice. But you know, it's uh, it is a it is a switch that you have to turn off. And uh, I think I think uh, having a quiet mind sometimes is is a uh, almost. Uh, genetic maybe i don't know <laughs> you know just being able to have uh tune things out and just focus on on stopping the puck can you do any mental techniques right we talked about i mean mental game seems to be the next chapter for goalies and they're trying to learn those kind of things and how do they get better at it do you think a lot of it's just innate that might be i don't know i've just always kind of had a natural a natural uh I don't know what the word, correct word would be to slide in there. You can think of a good one for me. <laughs> how, how do you manage practices that aren't goalie friendly? Like, do you pick a uh, focal point or? Yeah, just uh, you know, I think um, you know we you saw today we did a lot of like three on ones and two on ones today. So we did. I played a little bit, maybe a little bit deeper than I would normally. Just uh, you know, because it. Uh, in practice, that D-man is not going to stop every every pass going across. So I feel like uh, taking a step back in is, uh, helps a little bit. We've seen the game sort of change in front of goaltenders the last couple of years. A lot more lateral plays, a lot more deception on release. Like, what what do you see as the keys as a goaltender behind that evolving game? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can't take as much ice as you used to because guys are a lot a lot better at uh, at. Being deceptive, you know, showing, showing shot and passing. I think uh, you know players are improving at such a young age, and they're learning things, and techniques like that so early that it's natural to them to, to not even have to think about doing it. They just do it naturally. Do you think is there still a value to unpredictability as a goaltender? Like like not looking the same all the time? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Increasingly so, maybe or? Yeah, I mean it's also. Uh, it's also kind of a fine line too. You don't want to be a, you know, loose cannon out there either. So I think, it, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely um, 
benefits to throwing in a butter stack in every once in a while. Do you, is that something that like, do you, are you consciously trying to give different looks ever, or is it more just reacting to the game and being willing to go outside the box as you sort of balance technical yeah. excellence with that? Yeah, I think it just comes down to just battling sometimes. Sometimes you, sometimes you need to throw technique out the window and do whatever it takes. Had a couple young backups this year after years of sort of having veteran guys. What's different when it's a Caden or a Charlie in terms of how you approach them or that relationship? Uh, it's pretty much the same. You know, we got goalies are generally all, we all have a lot of things in common. We're all a little, we all have our quirks, we'll say. But, uh, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been fun, you know, getting different perspectives and, and young enthusiasm. Short, sweet, but so cool that you get to four or five minutes with Carrie Price. And, and again, that this is the type of uh, content that people can find if they subscribe to Ingle Premium. Yeah, and lots of great stuff up over at Premium. As I, as I mentioned, our feature interview is already up there. Uh, we like to try and do that for our members a little bit early. In case maybe you don't have enough time to sit through and hear the entire episode, you can get right to the heart of things. We're putting things up almost every day. There's a nice new piece up there with uh, Jake Allen right now where he talks about uh, his switch to a new new type of gear this year, new brands, uh, some of the customizations. He uses more practice gear than most people uh, I've heard of, so it'd be fun to, for you to head over there, take a look and see what we've got going there. There's uh, a new pro read with Craig Anderson, which I find particularly interesting because it's less about how he read the play and more about his save selection and it was very individual to his style and probably should be to mine as well as a bit of a vertically challenged goaltender we have to uh, get him to talk about the backstroke uh, blocker save yes, at some point too. yes wouldn't it be yeah we should we should definitely do that <laughs> <laughs> the, there's also a new column uh we have one called ask the in goal goalie dad and uh really yeah and it's actually we had um all i can say is he's a professional writer who has been in the business for a long time. He's got a couple of high-level goaltenders in his family, and he wanted to do this column for us. Oh, it's uh, not you? It's not me. And and the funny thing is, I'd already started to detail some of the things I would do for some goalie parents when when we reached out. He wants to stay anonymous. Um, that I can understand. Even, even I was a little worried that, you know, if I got too opinionated, what might that do to, uh, to my kid's position in the game? Uh, so he's answered one question already that was sitting in the mailbag. And, uh, and then we've also set up um, an email address quite specific for the parents. If you've got questions as a goalie parent, whether you've got, you know, a five-year-old putting on the pads for the first time, or you're struggling to navigate the waters of bantam and midget hockey or, or whatever level it might be, um, just send them in to uh, goalie dad at ingoalmag.com. We'll get them off to our resident goalie dad and he'll, he'll start answering them for you. Can you tell us what that first question was and and maybe paraphrase or? Yeah, maybe it, it was really just a routine um, for kids when they're struggling in practice. And, and it was one that I'd actually asked, um, and I'm sure we'll still get an answer uh, from Pete Fry, our resident mental expert. Um, but, but what do you do when you're in one of those practices where shot after shot after shot is going past you, you're getting frustrated. You, you know what it feels like. The frustration just builds and then more goals. Start I, I can't out. say I do, actually. No, because no, you never practice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> well done. Yeah. But uh, but no. So that was actually a really good one, because as a parent, you can see it happening. You feel kind of helpless. What can you tell your kids so that they've got an opportunity to uh, to sort of reset? So really, mm -hmm. really like that one. Really good one to go at. So. Yeah, just a good feel for what's going on at, at Premium. And as we said, we'll have a few smaller things like this Carey Price interview. I, I love this one. I mean, think about all the answers he gave us in, in that four, four and a half minute interview. Uh, how long would it have taken Woody to give those same answers? It would have been a two hour episode anyway. Oh, guaranteed. So, so because Carey is so concise and has so much to say in so few words, uh, he basically gave us a full full episode right there in four minutes, didn't he? I just, I, I love his ability to have stuff roll off his back. Like, Carrie, he's so, he's cerebral, uh, but he's uh, absolutely uh, calm and emotion, almost emotionally void 
uh, and I don't mean that as uh, as any type of slight, but it's it's a real ability to control his environment and thrive in that environment. Yeah, to remove that emotion from the game, yeah. maybe not void, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, and he even allude, alluded to it in there, didn't he, where he said maybe it's a bit in his yeah. DNA. And and his dad is equally calm, um, very shy. I pull the camera out anywhere near his dad and he, he sort of runs and hides. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to be able to sit down and I know you'd never do it in one conversation with Carrie because he's, he's such a guarded guy. Uh, but wouldn't you love to tease that apart? The uh, the bit that's in his DNA, that that bit that we all see about him, and yet he had his moments early in his career in Montreal where he got quite emotional. And how did he navigate those waters? And what helped him right. get to where he is today? Uh, it must have been hard for him because he had so much success as a youngster, and that was sort of the first place that he hit a bit of a roadblock. But yeah, it'd be it would be fascinating to tease that out. But I love I love the whole interview, and and uh, in particular the stuff about practice habits. And and I know you were mentioning earlier. Um, that that you'd seen something particular about Marc Andre Fleury. When, well, when, yeah. so uh, you you listen to Kerry talk about uh, practicing and doing two on ones and three on ones, and he he admitted that he played it a little bit differently, a little shallower in his net uh, because I mean he, over and over he knows the defenseman's not going to be able to stop mm-hmm. the pass every time, especially when you're doing those drills. Uh, but uh, it's uh, being because he. And, and part of the reason why he does that is because he wants to stop every puck and, and give himself the best opportunity to stop every puck. And, and that's what I see uh, on, on a daily basis uh, this winter in, in watching Marc-Andre Fleury. And, and the, the real benefit of, of that is uh, there's, it's twofold. One, Mark is a competitor, an absolute competitor, and, and, and does. He's what I could think of watching Dominic Hasek practice all the time and the stories that you hear that he he would uh, he would go all out to stop every puck at every drill. Mark does that, and uh, and the other part that the the sort of benefit of it is, I think it makes his teammates better because they know how much he's going to try on every drill and every shot that it, they bear down, and they don't just loaf through a drill, and they're a little more in tune. So. It's it's not just the goaltender that's that's making himself better by giving it his all. I I do believe that there's a uh, a spinoff that makes your teammates better and your 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 shooters try a lot more, uh, uh, bear down a little bit more. Yeah, we had a had a great conversation. I had a great conversation with uh, an NHL uh, goaltending coach earlier in the year, and it was actually about the job description for a backup goaltender, and. One of those things was that that you've got to do everything you can to support your teammates and to help them become better players. And at first you think, well, you know, you got to be a good guy. You got to be supportive. You got to, you know, cheer them on during a game. But I think what you're bringing up there, although obviously in the case of Flurry, it's a starter, it's doing everything you can on the ice in practice to challenge your teammates so that they can become better players as well. And that's an essential role on the team on the team as well. And it, and it's interesting, as you said, Kerry was obviously trying to do the same thing, put himself in a position where he can make some saves. And yet we've had conversations on here where we've said how difficult it can be in practice when you're put in a position to do things that you wouldn't do in a game, where you're forced to cheat. And and yeah. we, we've even advised people before, don't cheat. Uh, don't do what Kerry was doing there because you can't change your game. And if you and if a few more pucks go by, well, so be it. Um, that's one of the things I find fascinating about this position. We could have this conversation for hours. Should you stick to your guns because it's all about you and refining your game? Should you do everything you can to support your team, no matter what your coach throws at you in practice? Uh, there's a lot of, lot of answers to that. A lot of layers. Yeah. Like three on ones and two on ones in practice, uh, players and skaters, the forwards in particular, don't necessarily play that the way they normally would in a game situation. It's right. they're they're a lot looser. They're trying different things. Uh, uh, so you've, I mean, you're you're at a real disadvantage because uh, it's just not happening. The pace isn't there, and uh, they they have more time. The urgency isn't there. So I I understand where Carrie's coming from. Where you got to kind of either get lit up because they're doing that, or you adjust and and try and make a couple of saves and 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 be involved in the drill. Mm-hmm. And I, 
let's face it, you're probably not facing that very often in a game anyway. No, except for in overtime. Yes, yes. (laughs) At least it's no worse than a three-on-one or three-on-one Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, before we go, uh, just uh, one quick comment on the uh, the Winter Classic. I didn't think it was possible, but uh, well, they, they set a record for the tallest goaltending uh, matchup in in outdoor game history. <laughs> no doubt. With, with Pekka and and Ben, but man, uh, that gear that that Ben wore was was cool, and and I I was shocked. Ben Bishop looked taller outdoors in that stadium. Than he does in a regular yeah. ring. I don't know why, whether it was some kind of optical illusion, but he looked massive out there. It was it was cool. I thought Pekka looked pretty massive himself. So, yeah, the, that that gear that that uh, Bishop had grew on me very quickly. My first blush, I wasn't a fan of some of those colors, but yeah, I'm not it pops. a big fan of the no break in a pad. I, I'm not. No, uh, it it did grow on me, but. Uh, I'm still not, I'm still not there with, with a no break and a pad. I'm, I'm pretty excited about, uh, about that Bauer gear that he was wearing. Cause I heard a couple of, of the, uh, the changes that, that are coming. Can't spill the beans here now, but a couple of, um, to me, very significant changes that are, are going to be, uh, very interesting to get on the ice. Well, yeah. In the world junior championships, we're seeing, uh, some of the gear or rolled out. Uh, that's been cool to watch. And mm. congratulations to Zach Bukali. Yeah, uh, Spangler Cup win. Uh, that's uh, done his uh, his time coming off a splendid world uh, or a junior career in Halifax and uh, and certainly had his time in the spotlight as a junior and uh, wins another Spangler Cup. So that's uh, that's cool. Uh, another Spangler Cup appearance and, and he was outstanding. So congratulations there. Fantastic. A couple of back-to-back shutouts, I think, right? You got yeah. it. And uh, we uh, managed to shut out Kevin Woodley, minus uh, the, the two interview appearances. And uh, he's been beeping through. I've managed to uh, send him to voicemail because he tried to jump on this podcast. And we wanted to make sure we gave him the complete, complete rest. But you're back, welcome, uh, you're welcome ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Uh, don't, don't, don't send us thank you cards. Send us money. I don't know whether I can say that, but hey, why not? CRCT doesn't have anything to do with this. Uh, you, don't, uh, you don't have to send money. Just go subscribe to InGoal yeah, Premium. Yeah, Premium. Exactly. Uh, and do that. Uh, check out InGoal Premium. Uh, I, I've spent a lot of time uh, at certain points where I've, uh, in the last couple of weeks, just being able to dive into this stuff. And it's uh, it's really cool. And it's it's great. Uh, you you don't need uh, don't need three hours to do it. You could pick and choose and uh, and uh, and pop in and out. And it's uh, it's really neat, enlightening material. Uh, for David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening to Ingle Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. Kevin Woodley joins us next week as we talk goaltending, those that play us, play it, and those that make the world and the gear come to your doorstep. Mm-hmm.